0: Judge John Hall has been the Warren County court judge for the past 20 years, but now he faces New York's mandatory retirement age. This November, the people of Warren County will have to decide who will be replacing Judge Hall to be their next county court judge. Because the position has a 10-year term and hears all felony cases, heads the drug treatment court program, and handles county's probate cases, the voters of Warren County will not be taking this election lightly. Running for the position is a part-time city court judge, a law clerk, And Greg Canali, a litigation and general practice lawyer who's been practicing law in Warren County for 30 years. My name is Jason Brown, owner of Starling Studios in Saratoga Springs, and today I'm talking with Greg on why he is the most qualified candidate for this position. Nice to talk to you today, Greg. Welcome. Thank you, Jason. Thanks for having me. Greg, let's start with some background. Tell us about yourself.
1: I graduated from Glens Falls High School in 1980. I took a couple years up at the Adirondack Community College. the street from my office. I went to SUNY Albany, and then I went to Vermont Law School. When I came back from law school, I uh, took the bar and went to work for my father in a solo practice doing litigation law and criminal law and civil law, and been doing it ever since. I've had my own practice now for about 13 years here on Bay Road in Queensbury, I have a beautiful partner, Patricia Hustlin, who's an entrepreneur and has her own business here in Queensbury. We have a one-and-a-half-year-old son, Fiorello, who's the sunshine of our life, but he's a handful.
0: <laughs> so this seems like a pretty important position in Warren County, or really any county. How closely do you think the residents of Warren County will be following this race?
1: Well, I think they'll be following it pretty closely because it's really the most important race That affects voters in Warren County immediately. It's been traditionally a very important position in the county. It hears all felony cases, which are very serious. It's the most active trial bench in the county. And uh, it also hears many matrimonial cases. It hears all probate matters having to do with trusts and wills and estates. So there's a lot that goes on in county court that has a very real and direct effect on people's lives.
0: And as far as the party that you're running on, the party line, I understand you're running on two different tickets.
1: Yeah. It's uh, one of the unfortunate results of having the judiciary run on political party lines is that you get candidates scrambling for the various party lines. So I'm running as a Democrat in a primary, uh, June 23rd against uh, an opponent who's a practicing attorney and a part-time city court judge. And we're running in a Democratic primary. So we're both seeking the Democratic line. She's also running for the independence ticket. She faces another challenger who's the Republican nominee. But I'm also running for the conservative line And I've been endorsed by the conservative party of Warren County. That also uh, has to be primary. So I'm in two primary races on June 23rd. One is against the uh, part-time city court judge, and the other is the uh, conservative primary, and that's against the uh, law clerk who's been clerking for the county court for 20 years.
0: And being a county that is predominantly Republican, do you think that people are going to kind of go party lines or do you think that they're going to dive into the issues and look at people's backgrounds and hopefully vote for who they think will will serve them the best?
1: Well, Ward County has a very long and admirable history of voting across party lines. And our current judge, Judge Hall, uh, was a Democrat. We have a sitting Supreme Court judge who's a uh, Democrat. So I think when it comes to judicial positions, people tend to vote more based on experience rather than uh, party lines. Up here in Warren County, Democrats tend to be a completely different breed than Democrats from New York City. They're far more moderate or conservative. And I think the difference in political spectrum up here is much more narrow than you would get across the country. So people tend to vote, especially when it comes to the judiciary, tend to vote uh, based on experience, I think. It's
0: my my belief. Speaking of experience, I do understand that you are the only judicial candidate that has handled uh, hundreds of felony cases and actual trials. Why else do you think that you are the most qualified for this position?
1: Well, that's true. While I have the utmost respect for my opponents and their credentials, I'm the only candidate that's ever actually argued cases in the very court that we're running for. Uh, I've been in the court for 30 years, standing side by side with uh, people who are seeking justice for themselves or their families, whether it be in a criminal context or a matrimonial or civil context. I have had many, many jury trials. And uh, many civil trials. I don't believe my opponents have had any felony trials yet. This is one of the busiest. It's the only felony trial court in the in the county. So, aside from the trial experience, which is extremely important, there's also the fact that I've been giving people legal advice in this community for 30 years. I've listened to their stories. I've felt their pain, their confusion, their fear. You get a connection when you represent people that uh, you begin to understand how the law affects real people with real problems. And for 30 years, that's what I've been doing. I've been listening to people's legal difficulties and trying to find legal resolutions for their difficulties. And you get an enormous amount of experience and you get a front row seat to how the law has a real unfurnished effect on people's lives.
0: So you've been practicing law in Warren County for 30 years and That's also where you grew up. That is true. Because of this connection with the people that you work with, how will being in this position allow you to help the people in the area more than what you're doing now?
1: Well, I think all judges and lawyers have a very unique obligation to facilitate the uh, equal protection of the law, to create what's commonly referred to as an ordered liberty to give people the opportunity to be the best that they can be with the talents God's given them and with their hard work. The law is supposed to nurture and uh, provide an opportunity for people to let their talents and hard work take them to the highest heights. And uh, both lawyers and judges are a very intricate part of that process. However, the power of a lawyer is fairly limited to Persuasion, the art of persuasion, persuading the judge what the proper course is, what the proper law is. It's an attempt to persuade uh, the court as to how best to achieve this ordered liberty with the uh, proper application of the relevant laws. If you're a judge, you have far greater influence on the legal results and the outcomes of what is fair and just. I think being a judge would give me a much greater opportunity to ensure that our county uh, has a fair and equal application of the laws for everybody, no matter how rich or poor, whatever their divisions or diversities may be. One of the great hallmarks of our law, one of the great traditions of our law is that it's equally applied to everybody, regardless of how wealthy or poor or big or small or politically connected or no connection at all. The law is the same for everybody. And being a judge, is is, that's what you're charged with to make sure everybody gets an equal and fair application of the law.
0: If we're talking about application of the law and how it applies to everybody equally, what are your thoughts on sentencing? What types of things would you be considering as county court judge when you're considering sentencing of the Warren County residents?
1: I think the primary and first and foremost concern of a judge Uh, in sentencing, especially if it's a crime of the victim, is the uh, rights of the victim. Victims have the first and foremost right to see that there's restitution paid, if any, and that there's uh, a compatible and uh, proportionate sentence in comparison and ratio to the harm inflicted on the victim. Victim needs a very major, very huge part of healing, being a, a victim of a crime, a very huge part of the healing process is. To know that the perpetrator has been punished or has gotten their just desserts—that's a very important step in the healing process. Well, of course, there are secondary considerations as well. There's, uh, you know, public safety, which is huge, a very important concern. Is this person a repeat offender? Is there a chance that they'll repeat again? Is this person? Was this an isolated incident? Are there extenuating circumstances? do they feel remorse are they uh, regretful is there an opportunity for rehabilitation i think aside from public safety and the rights of victims we need to make sure that we understand that a person who's convicted of a crime ultimately and eventually will have to come back into society and will have to in the ranks of the uh, productive law abiding citizenry and we need to make sure that when they come back they're you know, ready to do that.
0: On the idea of people after sentencing, after serving time or whatever the case may be, if they are coming back into society, are there any programs that you think need to be put in place or enhanced programs that are currently in place that that you're going to pay special attention to, to make sure that maybe someone with an alcohol problem or or drug addiction, that they are getting help rather than just being sentenced and forgotten about?
1: Well, yeah. I mean, for the past 20 years, our our model in handling crimes which are drug-related or alcohol-related has has changed dramatically. We've come to recognize that many crimes that are drug- or alcohol-related are more the product of uh, the addiction, the disease of addiction, and and not necessarily reflective of a moral failure of character. And uh, they have started throughout the country, treatment courts. And one of the most important things in my candidacy is to improve upon our treatment court, which has not really had any substantial changes for 20 years. And despite the 20-year Treatment court we've had in Morton County, the overdose rate has increased tremendously. So, there are a lot of things that I would do to change the treatment court and to make it better and more responsive to the current situation and would replace felony convictions with misdemeanor convictions so that if someone successfully completes the program and their term of probation and they're ready to rejoin the ranks of the productive citizenry. They're not hampered by this felony conviction. They're not locked out of the marketplace for jobs with this felony conviction. And that's been tried in other counties and it's been very successful. Another thing I'd like to do is initiate a jobs training program. There's can be no greater value to sobriety than a sense of self-respect and self-worth through employment. There needs to be some coordination between mental health counseling and addiction counseling. Many times, the two issues are directly related. There's a lot of people who have become alcoholics or drug addicts have mental health issues that can be properly treated, and uh, they're, they're oftentimes intertwined, and we need to incorporate mental health counseling with uh, the treatment court program. And, and lastly, I really believe that we need to incorporate in our treatment court a uh, more mindful lifestyle program, such as meditation, yoga, hiking, healthy nutritional habits, positive uh, word programs. You know, there are all kinds of beautiful programs out there that are designed to help people, train people's minds to think of themselves better. And most importantly, the entire purpose of the treatment court program is to empower people. People that have been beat down through drugs and alcohol for years by the time they get into the felony court system – they have little, if any, self-esteem or self-respect. And I think one of the most major fundamental issues in helping these folks is to empower them, to give them the power to take back their lives, to give them the belief and the courage to know that they have the power to make their life wonderful and better, and that they have the power to beat this addiction. So it's all about empowering these folks And always knowing that, you know, if they successfully complete these programs, they will have that scarlet letter removed from their record. They will not be felons. That's a huge motivation for people to strive hard and to try to recover that which they've lost. And that's the whole meaning of
0: recovery. Warren County is a fairly rural county and, as we mentioned, fairly Republican. Let's talk about the Second Amendment a little bit. Where do you stand on gun control and how would you deal with cases that involve both legal and illegal firearms?
1: Well, you're right. The Second Amendment is a huge issue in this county. We have a very uh, long and rich tradition of hunting and target shooting. And most young people in our county are taught from a very early age firearm safety. New York State, as you probably know, has one of the most rigorous safe act. It's one of the most rigorous gun control laws in the country. Our state has a long hunting and target practice shooting. We have very low violent crime rate in this county. Almost everybody in this county has a very a strong respect and regard for gun safety. And before you're allowed to take, have a pistol permit, you have to undergo a, a very uh, rigorous background check and gun safety course. So my position is and has always been that if you're qualified for a pistol permit, then you should be given an unrestricted concealing carry permit. I don't think there's any reason or any justification to put conditions on your pistol permit or to restrict it from, you know, to home or just for hunting or anything. After all, you've passed all the safety courses and the background checks that you take into consideration our, our tradition of hunting and target practice in this county and the low violent crime rate, and the rigors of background checks and safety courses. I just think that if people pass all that and have done everything they're supposed to do and have lived a exemplary law-abiding life, I don't think there's any reason why a, a government official should be putting restrictions on their right to
0: conceal and carry a pistol. And as county court judge, are you going to be playing a role in that application process?
1: Yeah. I, I would do everything I could to speed up the investigatory process. I've heard stories where people have waited over six months for either approval or denial. The county judge is the one who makes the ultimate decision initially uh, on whether or not to grant someone a pistol permit. I have been involved in substantial amounts of litigation challenging the decision of various county officials and denying permits to people. I represented the first person who was prosecuted under the SAFE Act. So I'm very familiar with the gun laws that surround the issue and the discretion, and it's narrowly defined. It's not plenary. A judge does have to abide by certain penal structures in granting pistol permits. But it is the county official, and in Warren County, it's the county judge that decides who gets a pistol permit and under what conditions or restrictions.
0: You mentioned being involved in the trial of the first person under the SAFE Act. What other cases have you had in your career that you think really define where you are and and really make you a standout candidate for this position?
1: I am a litigator and have been for 30 years, and county court is primarily a trial court especially when it comes to serious felony trials. And there are certain laws, criminal procedure laws, and rules of evidence that are very complex and intricate, and they're all designed to ensure that each litigant gets a fair trial. There are hearsay rules, document authenticity rules, foundational rules, And these are rules of evidence that I've been working with for 30 years in preparing my cases for trial. I prepare witnesses, the examination and cross-examination of witnesses, the introduction of evidence, chain of custody issues. These are all very intricate and complicated rules that I've become incredibly familiar with by my trial work. I've had dozens of criminal trials, jury trials, and multiple civil cases trials Handling these trials, not only do you learn the procedural aspects and the rules of evidence, which are extremely important, you also understand witnesses and clients, and you also feel how nervous they are and how the law can be so intimidating and frightening, and it shouldn't be that way. Another thing in my experience as a litigator is you realize how expensive litigation can cost and how long and drawn out it can be. So one of the things I would like to do if I were a judge is to streamline the process to try to encourage mediation or arbitration to reduce the costs and the time involved in in cases that are litigated or disputed. There's a lot a judge can do to try to move a case forward faster, and there's a lot a judge can do to try to remove the uh, intimidation and fear and to ensure the litigants that they're gonna get their fair day in court, no matter how rich or poor they are. you also get a chance to see the incredible relief that people feel when the justice system works and actually provides them justice. And to feel a part of that is an amazing feeling. It's a wonderful feeling. So having that a vicarious connection with your client Um, You learn a lot about the law and how the law affects people directly in their lives and their families' lives. So I think that has made me really, really qualified to sit on
0: the bench. Uh, Greg, what do you think makes a good judge?
1: Well, that I guess would go back to you know thirty years of experience being in the you know multiple courts uh, throughout the county and throughout the state. You see really good judges, and you unfortunately see some really bad judges and. I think the qualities that are common within good judges are first and foremost a uh, an open mind. You know, you can tell immediately when you're arguing a case that court's mind is already made up. There's nothing more appreciative uh, from a lawyer standpoint than seeing a judge take a real interest in knowing what the facts are. So I think the first important quality of a judge is, you know, the, the willingness to listen carefully. Because the law is very nuanced and intricate and requires it can turn completely different on a on a simple seemingly insignificant fact, another thing I think common quality in good judges is being humble. You know you see a judge that realizes you know humility is probably one of the most beautiful virtues in in every person, but to really know that you don't know everything and that you know, to constantly remind yourself that you could be wrong It compels you to check yourself, to check your assumptions and your biases and your prejudices, which we all have. And w- through the process of humility, you're able to check those biases to make sure they're not influencing your decision. So being humble does compel a judge to constantly ask themselves, why do I feel this way? Why am I about to make this decision? What is the actual true basis of this decision? Uh, And lastly, I think the most important quality of a judge is empathy. People are coming before the bench, they're incredibly nervous, there's oftentimes a tremendous amount riding on the judge's decision, and a judge has to know that their decision has a real impact on people's lives and on their families' lives. And
0: that's an enormous responsibility and an enormous burden. Do you think that running for this position and eventually getting this position in the county where you've worked for 30 years and in the county where you've lived for your entire life is an advantage or a disadvantage?
1: I think it's an advantage. I think being familiar with the customs and traditions of the county uh, gives great guidance in the exercise of discretion. Being on a trial level, you know, much of what you decide is dictated by statute or by case precedent. But there is an enormous amount of discretion, and in the exercise of that discretion, one of the things, one of the many things a court should do in the exercise of that discretion, is to take into consideration the uh, customs and traditions of the people of that county. You know, being familiar with people, being familiar with our our ways, our way of life. Uh, our Maurice, Uh I think it, it would it'd be a great advantage uh, for a person who sits on the bench to have lived here their whole life.
0: All right, Greg, well, thank you again for taking the time to talk to me today. Some great information in there. Wishing you the best of luck in this race. For the listeners, you can find out more about Greg on Facebook at Greg Canale for Judge or on his website, www.canale2020.com. Thanks again, Greg. Well, have a great week, and I really appreciate it.